Hello and welcome to The Intersection of Things, a podcast that takes a feminist look on how technology changes our lives. I am Marianela Ramos-Capello. And I'm Ruth Kustik Deal. And we're here. Welcome to the International Podcast Holiday Day. Is, yep. is it really? <laughs> we just we just made it up. We made up a special holiday for podcasters to take the 10th of December off. Yeah, I hereby declare this the Holy Gay Special. Ooh. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I had a really nice weekend away. I went to see some friends, hang out with an adorable baby, and, you know, enjoy the north. The north? Yeah, where it's cold. And then come back to London, where it's also cold, it turns out. Yeah, I hate well, winter. Vancouver's just been wet, which, uh, breaking news, <laughs> Vancouver's wet. And it has been wet for thousands of years. So yeah, what are we doing in this episode, Ruth? What are we talking about? What's happening? What's happening? We're going to talk me, about me, the podcast. Me. It's a meta episode. Yeah, it's the end of 2018. We have been doing this for almost a year now. And we are just, at the moment of recording, we are about to release a 12th episode. And so we wanted to have this holiday, holy gay special, just to look back and... and kind of see what have we learned since what are new things that are coming up that we didn't get to tackle on those other episodes and just like incorporate some of the feedback that people had given us and things like that it's been really amazing i mean when i look back on 2018 i think it's the thing it's easily the thing that i'm the most proud of yeah it's given me like so much joy like that is the main thing that comes to mind but also uh, yeah a lot of fulfillment and I mean since we started the podcast as you know I've changed jobs and I'm not working in digital rights professionally anymore and I've had some nervousness about doing that but having the podcast feels so important to me and it's this way of staying involved and using the knowledge that I have of digital rights in a different way. And that's, yeah, it's just, it's just been really meaningful to me to be able to do that. I think, I mean, just like you, I, when I look back 2018, this is one of the, I mean, I would call it one of the professional things that I've, I'm really proud of. I feel I have been, I don't know, I was going to say surprised, but I don't think it's a surprise just to finish the thought. I was surprised at how there was interest on these topics and approaching them in this way that we do uh, through podcasting, through like being on a shame. How do you say that word? Um, unapologetically feminist and queer and just having fun. And I think, I don't know, I don't know what in me thought that that was not going to gain traction. But when it did, I was like, huh, see, there is an audience for this and people enjoy it. And it is not risky. It's just awesome so i don't know it's it's been a really nice way to to just be like i'm not crazy this thing matters to people yeah in this way so it's awesome yeah and we get to just be ourselves i think the release of tension of being able to talk about these these issues and not think are are some men going to be upset by this and just saying that's not our audience you know if the men who are going to be upset by this listen to the podcast and don't like it don't don't listen goodbye Yeah. yeah So so that's that. What have we come back to? What have we have we gone away to learn more about? I think I mean for me at the moment it's definitely sex workers' rights and all the stuff that was the following on from Sarah Jamie Lewis's episode. Yep. Which was a sex episode. Was yep. it ep- episode six? Yep. <laughs> that was a great episode and I really still at the, at that point I was still trying to 
understand Sester a lot and I learned a lot from that episode and then mm -hmm. wanting to go away and try and understand Wait, and, and for people who have not heard that episode Sesta was this weird fucking law that passed in the US that the it was called the Stop Enabling Sex Trafficking Act S yeah and which, which basically this law what it did it just censored all of um, the websites for having quote-unquote sexually explicit content And again, at the moment of this recording, Tumblr is going sort of down because of that, sort of related. But um, but yeah, so that's why people might be familiar now that Craigslist removed all personal ads, a bunch of other websites went down, and a lot of people doing sex work activism uh, were very pissed because this was basically endangering their lives. You know, if you don't have platforms to perform your work in a safe safer way um you're endangering people so anyways that was that was the sesta thing that Ruth was referring to back to you Ruth yeah so I've started reading this incredible book about sex workers rights called Revolting Prostitutes the Fight for Sex Workers Rights um by Juno Mack and Molly Smith and I've been reading this book for the last few weeks and I have to say it's amazing it's probably the best book of 2018 and plus one It's just like really making me think about perspectives on sex work I never thought before. I'm learning a lot, but it's not just about, there's some really, really powerful things around sex workers' rights. And one, this argument that they make where they say it doesn't matter whether or not sex work is ethical or good or useful to society. We shouldn't have to argue those points. Like they just mm -hmm. say, let's cast all that aside. What matters is that we should be safe. You don't have to argue about construction workers or hotel workers or any other job, whether or not it's productive for society, for there to be safety at work. Like, what matters is we exist and we should be safe. And I was like, wow, great. That's really solid. And then there's been a lot of really interesting stuff in it about borders and how mm. borders interact with sex work that I would say I knew nothing about. Um, can you give us like a, a quick example? Okay, can I can I maybe read a section? Because I feel like my paraphrase is never going to be as good as yeah. the on-point writing. Okay, so it's basically talking about the way borders create a lack of safety for people. So there's a system where everyone could migrate, live and work legally and in safety would not be a huge radical departure. It would simply take seriously the reality that people are already migrating and working and that as a society we should prioritize their safety and rights. And then it says, instead of starting from the premise of valuing human life, the countries in the global north enact harsh immigration laws that make it hard for people from the global south countries to migrate. You don't stop people wanting or needing to migrate by making it illegal for them to do so. You just make it more dangerous and difficult and leave them vulnerable to exploitation. And then she goes on to talk about how if you can't exist legally in a country, you don't have papers, you can't get a job, you're going to do jobs that are risky or mm -hmm. you're going to do sex work because it can definitely bring in income. And it's saying you can't separate talking about sex work without talking about borders and you can't separate that from talking about racism or from talking about policing. And there's a lot more nuance and it yeah. was just really, really interesting. It's like everything intersects. <laughs> yes. No, it is fascinating. I keep thinking whenever I encounter news about sex work, I keep going back to that conversation that we had with Sarah Jamie Lewis and where um, she mentioned how like laws that are designed to just 
have more and more control over populations will affect certain people the worst and those are like almost like the cannery in the coal mine and sex work seems to be one of those places where you're like society is not right if this area of the world is not right and safe you know it's and by area of the world i mean like sex work i don't know if i'm making sense but like yeah it's it's a point where everything comes to surface every little bit of like like you said geographical stuff work stuff economics gender race yeah everything kids come yeah migration everything kind of gets distilled into that um so it's fascinating one thing uh that i really liked about this book and don't worry listeners we're gonna talk about other things too but like one thing that i really liked about this book was how right off the bat they kind of acknowledged the main two sort of positions they're not only two but the ones that at, at least i get to hear a lot of which are like within feminism this whole thing of like one band of feminism kind of says like sex work is just patriarchal and terrible and should be should never be legalized or should never be because then you're enabling you know sex trafficking and stuff like that so that's one camp and the other camp kind of saying no you know their body their choice if you choose to do sex work with your body and your life and everything then that's your choice and you should be free to do so and i think this book takes a very good nuanced approach to both because they basically say yes to both <laughs> like Yes, it's patriarchal and terrible. We will not pretend it's not. But also there's some element of autonomy and empowerment. And that's actually they do say that they they never refer to sex work as empowering. But like there is an element of autonomy and, and decision making that's like present, I guess, in every conversation around. It. I don't know. Also, they're saying should be. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really like that they kind of look at it from this work perspective. Pragmatic. I think that they say, OK, we will steer away from the philosophical and moral conversations there's room for that but not in this book right now we're gonna focus on keeping people safe and how we go about that and which i think just brings me back to technology and tools and the focus of um, the work of a lot of a lot of these people are doing um, in terms of the internet is you know say what you will about free speech and things like that the focus right now is to keep people safe and let's see every law and every decision through that lens is this making people safe or not yeah i was having a conversation with a friend at the weekend and actually he made this really interesting point about how sometimes people are very bad at telling who the victims are when it comes to mm. technology issues and i thought that was spot on and i think it's kind of what what we're hoping we can get right here is always tricky but so much of these conversations about free speech always seem to end up trying to protect people who have a lot of power and yeah. trying to talk over or ignore the concerns of people who don't. And I'm just like, if you find yourself doing that, maybe pause and think, okay, like, who is actually a victim in this situation? And who is benefiting from this, which is another way to go about analyzing things, right? It's like, all right, who's, who really gets to benefit from this law? And be very specific. For-profit prisons and the Republicans and their messaging. Like, why now? Why so loud? Mm. Anyways, yeah, it's super interesting. Another thing that I got thinking, I mean, this sort of links back to another episode, the episode of Work. 
I've been thinking a lot about work and the internet and I think we we're discussing a little bit about how and know work and economics keep coming up in our podcast as like well how can people make a living and what's ethical and AI and what's the future that we want and I was I think I mentioned it in last conversation that we had is like I keep thinking of how work the way we've been dealing with here it's almost like a proxy for other things and I think hmm. the quote was like we really do not need work like we need food we need shelter we need purpose but we do not need work inherently um so yeah we need food we need shelter we need purpose but purpose is not work and I think it's a very middle class thing to pretend that all jobs give people's purpose like it might give you shelter so when when you start looking at it through that perspective then things like ai and like artificial intelligence and robotics and all of the panics of like who is going to do the like who's going to employ the people i think can get reframed a little bit into like okay so people do not need work they need all of the other things that i mentioned how can we make it so that technology gives us that service um and so we can just pursue the other things so i don't know i've been thinking a lot about that and i think we did not tackle that in it was episode two work um what do you think yeah i think we definitely need to really talk about robots in depth at some point i think there's a difference between employment and work perhaps um because i was thinking about all those campaigns to try and get like housework recognized or motherhood recognized as work and that mm -hmm. there's like a, there is a real power in that word like we were just talking about sex work and how like when you, there's a point that actually I'm just jumping straight back to that book that she said about how the first thing that comes from naming something as work is having the ability to choose not to do it which I thought was really interesting interesting so yeah I think I do think there's a difference between saying we don't need to work and saying we don't need to be employed because I think that some of those things we will always need to do, you know, like caring for others. I guess the question is whether or not we name it as work in the future. Yeah, I mean, there are some basic human activities that can or I mean, that are sometimes attached to money. So I'm, I'm talking, I'm saying work basically as like a paid activity or an activity that's not currently paid, but should be because we live in this capitalist system that's, but yeah that's I, basically how i was approaching it yeah i agree that we need to have like a more optimistic view of robots and of automation and so far everything seems to end up feeling really negative but i think it's because what happens is you get exploitation or people saying like well i can use this as an opportunity for profit to drive down wages and make more money rather than saying how can we use these things to actually improve our lives so I think it'd be really interesting to have a look at some of the examples of those, like where yeah. robots are actually genuinely helpful. I mean, I always cringe at the word optimistic because I do recognize that the panics that are attached to that are very real. I mean, what's the easiest thing that's going to happen in a capitalist world? That people are going to be unemployed and then the robots are just going to be made to just produce more profit for the person who owns the factory or whatever. You know, like it's... I understand... And I, I am willing to put money down. I'm not because I don't have money. Um, if I had money, I would put it down <laughs> betting on, yeah, like robots will serve capitalism, of course. But it's really cool to just, again, imagine a better future and start kind of mapping out how we get there, which takes us to sci-fi. I was literally going to say, now I'm thinking about sci-fi and it's all these questions about 
How can we imagine a better world for ourselves being kind of cheesy? Yeah, sci-fi episode. That was so good. The sci-fi episode has been one of the most fun episodes, I guess, for me to do. I mean, the interview was amazing. Thank you, Deji, for your time. It was kind of cool just to get playful in terms of like a theme that allows you and basically centered entirely around imagining things. Imagining, obviously, worst case scenario, which shout out to my brain. It's really good at that. <laughs> but also imagining best case scenarios or just kind of storytelling as a way to just craft what new possibilities and new presence, not even new futures, but like if you imagine new presence, you're like, holy crap, you start imagining or questioning why are things the way they are right now? Yeah, you know, I think that's what Star Trek does really well. Uh, the thing that we didn't manage to talk about, shockingly, but I'm a big Star Trek nerd. And I always love that what they're doing in so many of those episodes is just taking an issue that's current and right now and then like casting it through that different lens. It's the let's imagine a planet where this is the core subject of that that people and that race and using those kind of microcosm things to reflect back on us. And I just think that's what sci-fi does really well. And I think, you know, fantasy and horror and all of those genres, they do that thing by, they take you away from the issue, put it in some kind of fantastical setting, but actually just make you think about it in a different way. Yeah, it's so cool. And I've been thinking a lot about this episode. Um, at the moment of recording, we have not released, we're releasing tomorrow. But yeah, I cannot wait for you listeners to take a listen and... Um, and let us know what you think about that. And let us know about your favorite sci-fi cultural works. Be it movies, books, short series, comics, um, graphic stuff. Like I'm into... I mean, th this is a very strange side note. But like I watched the Dior 2017 men's fashion runway show. And, uh, and the designer, Kim Jones, he kind of paired up with this artist. He was in Tokyo and they had at the center of it this like huge woman robot thing and everything was very androidy very like but very sleek it was very strange it was almost like the models were they had like things that made almost made them look like a little bit like a robot like but not like a cyborg more i don't know it was interesting and i was just like huh future and fashion and like symbols embedded into into that just the fact that it was in tokyo too which is being marketed and is very uh tech forward it was very interesting anyways that was <laughs> That was a random thing. Yeah, I guess we can talk about fashion in a future one as well. We did talk a little bit about branding and fashion in the money episode. Yeah. Yeah, about when we were talking about how like brands, something about being, how did you call it? Or did I call it? No, you call it something like the biggest scam on the middle class ever. Yeah. Not not brands, but in general, like all of this. Yeah. Just making you believe that this is worth what it is. And then I was just like, yeah, branding is theater. And you get something out of it, which is good. I mean, relatively speaking. Um, What other things? I mean, themes that keep coming up. I think we did not plan this this way, but it was very telling that when we started the podcast, we went first things first to tackle the one thing we wanted to talk about for the longest time, which was consent. That was our first episode. It's been out, obviously, almost a year now and it keeps doing well that was another thing that was i was pleasantly surprised people i thought they were going to see the word consent and think that they knew everything about it already and it keeps being shared around and and what do you think about that ruth it makes me so happy and i've been realizing how much of a core value it is for me like when we come back to every different issue, when we're talking about health, or when we're talking about parenting, or when we're talking about work, I feel like I always approach 
everything from that same consent perspective. And I was I was talking with someone else recently about health and sharing data about research you know like so if people are sharing their personal information to be used for like research on cancer and i was saying how oh well, i think that's fine if you have as long as you have consent for it and i was realizing how in a lot of ways i try to be quite nuanced and take different perspectives and really you know think of all these angles but when it comes to consent i'm really very firm about it i'm just like no well, well if it if it relates to a person then you gotta ask permission and i don't really take a greater good perspective on it i'm I'm never like oh well if it serves a greater cause or you know because they do right. good work then rock stars you don't need to ask yeah i feel like you always need to ask and yeah. may- maybe i'm wrong maybe i should be thinking about occasions when you don't but i i always feel really firm about that one thing and I find it really helpful to have a core point of view on something like that. Yeah, I think, I mean, one thing that I learned from that episode was the concept that you introduced, at least I was introduced to this concept by you, uh, which was the castles of consent. Uh, I keep using that example a lot whenever friends and other people and I are talking about this topic or something related to consent. For the listeners who have not listened to consent, Please go and listen to it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, The Castles of Consent, as we talked about it in that first episode, is this idea that consent is not always a binary of yes or no. Is that it's a relationship that you build upon and um, where the choice should always be there. But it's like, I think in this particular example, the the comic book that it is, was was it a comic thing? It's a webcomic series by someone called Robot Hugs. Shout out. Yeah, and it's almost like it's explaining how, yeah, maybe sometimes if you already have a relationship with someone, there are some things that you won't ask as in yes or no. But there's always that implicit, you know, choice of like, you can always, I don't know, you can always say no. I'm not explaining this correctly. Shall I try? Yeah, you should try. So it's the idea that um, when you get into a relationship with someone, you build a castle together. That's your shared understanding of what is okay with the two of you. So you build up your castle where you can kiss each other whenever you want. You can grab each other on the ass whenever you want. And that's part of your castle. And then when you want to change something, you can sit down and have a conversation and say, I no longer want this. So we're going to like remove this wing from the castle. Or I want to try putting this thing in. So they're going to like add another tower or put a portcullis in and then that's your new castle and yes you can you can obviously say yes and no but the idea is that it's not around saying like every single interaction in a couple I have to ask consent for it's it is around that shared understanding that you have that you've built together and that's your consent castle thank you that was that was great (laughs) you know just this idea is about building trust uh building a relationship be it one-on-one (laughs) <laughs> or one and four, one and three, whatever. No, but like also in terms of community and um, I don't know, I think it, it, it is very interesting for me to approach that building community from that mm. um, angle because because it is, you know, building trust. How do you build trust? Also, how do you build trust in a way that's always, well, you know, people are always aware of what they're giving or asking for. I don't know, it's it's trust building. Maybe there will be another episode on this. Clearly, my thoughts are half-baked. That's interesting. Like, taking that application and thinking about how it is in small communities when a new person comes along and you kind of have to show them your community norms and that kind of thing. 
Yeah, I mean, I've also been thinking, um, at, again, at the moment of recording, there was just this thing that the Blog Brothers, Hank and John Green, do every year, which is a project for awesome. They basically, it's like a marathon of them live streaming stuff and getting money uh, for charities that then people like, people make their own videos for each charities and then like people vote, I think, on who gets the money. Anyway, they've been doing this for a few years now and it's a lot of fun. And I was thinking about them in terms of community because for example, each year Hank puts out a survey that's really long and it asks a lot of questions. Like I think once I filled it out, it took me 20, 30 minutes? Like, that's a long ask for a survey, right? And it was very personal, you know, things like, who do you vote for? But also, like, the answers were, like, very complex. They were like, I voted for this, I voted for that, I voted for this, but I wish I had voted for this. You know, it was just... Anyways, and I was just like, holy crap, why do I feel okay giving these people my answers? Even though I know they're not gonna be tracked back to me or whatever... There was a lot of information there and I was like, oh, because I like them and I it's I've been in this community for like what almost seven years or more following their work and stuff and so far they've been really good at building that sense of trust and they were their values, you know, in the open. So I consented to giving them some of my info and I hope it works. Anyways, that was that was a segue. Yeah. I did the survey too recently and I'm on like a massive John and Hank Green binge. Pretty much because of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, John, Hank, if you want to come to the podcast, you're more than welcome. Um, anytime. Yeah. Anytime. Anytime. What else? What about thanking people? Should we do Ooh. that? Let's do that right now. I have to thank my friend Becca for having amazing conversations with me and helping inspire some of the conversations on the pod and also for just constantly sharing the podcast. Thank you. That's been really helpful. I initially wanted to start the thanking with with thanking all of the people that we have interviewed in this podcast. I mean, we've already been talking about Sarah Jamie Lewis, who was interviewed for the sex episode. That was so awesome. Corrupt, openprivacy.ca. Who else have we interviewed? Lee Honeywell. Was amazing. That was a really tough episode for me to, to record, like the Rockstars episode. And Lee was super cool and Look her up too. I think her stuff is at tallpoppy.io. Look in the footnotes. We're going to link to everyone there. Who else have we interviewed, Ruth? We interviewed Ian Clark. Um, we talked about libraries and yes. radical librarianism, archiving and all of that stuff. That was really interesting. Which makes me think a little bit, tiny, tiny segue. Um, we just mentioned that the Tumblr apocalypse is coming, which is basically Tumblr... Um, swiping all of the accounts that have any sex content or quote female presenting nipples shout out to female presenting nipples this episode is brought to you by female presenting nipples <gasps> bringing down the internet and a billion dollar website forever man people are so afraid of nipples and i was thinking because of female presenting nipples of the like the archive of queer and and sex ed and stuff that's gonna go down with tumblr like, it's weird. Like, Tumblr has been a, a platform, whether whether people like it or not, where a lot of activism, say, like, around asexual stuff. You know, the, the poly and the demi and the BDSM and the kink and the queer and, I don't know, slash fiction was there early. All of that, like, people growing, literally, like, blogging about their experiences in community yeah, um, yeah. was locked there. And it's going to go down because of someone being afraid of, female presenting nipples 
I'm just gonna keep saying that forever. Oh god. Why the title of this episode? The holiday special, female presenting nipples. Anyways, made me think a lot about the work of archival stuff and archiving and libraries and who are the guardians of information who get to catalog it and keep it for posterity and just the idea of like what does it mean when a private corporation like Tumblr owned by Yahoo I think owns the troves of data and but cultural and like you know cultural information data and and artifacts that are embedded in there and they can just be wiped out yeah um, and they just get to make that cool just decide again like without asking you well this is what we're gonna do now it's all gone yeah so so that so ian thank you uh for being a librarian who's radical and <laughs> and then uh deji yes who we already also talked about the author of Nigerians in Space and After the Flare. I mean, I can't wait for all of you to listen to that interview because, you know, what was one of the questions, Ruth? Like, why do we keep talking about space being colonized? Why colonize space? Colonial values embedded into the concept of sci-fi. What does it mean where our fantasies also, or like our fantasy also has or like embodies pretty harmful values and how do we turn that around and yeah. yeah. Um, also someone who we did interview but had, but just didn't make it to the pod because of quality and stuff, Cynthia, Cynthia Kuth, thank you for your time. We learned a lot and we are going to do something with that. We're talking about intermediary liability, which is um, as big. That was yeah, we did a really good interview and unfortunately we lost it due to sound issues. So we're going to try again in the future. But we did a really interesting episode that was about content moderation and all of those, literally the things relevant to Tumblr taking things down, which yeah. is how do people decide what is and isn't suitable? What is hate speech? What is sex? What are female presenting nipples? Um whether it's bots or whether it's people and what the law is. So maybe there'll be a take two on that in 2019. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait. I hope. I hope our favorite lawyer is available. Cynthia, we need you. <laughs> um, and speaking of sound qualities, I also want to give a special shout out to Erin, my friend, who earlier on, basically her ears could not take it anymore and pitched in some money to basically pay for half of my microphone. And that's why all of you have been spared from pops and clicks ever since. Thank you, Erin. Yeah, and thank you for bearing with us as we grow from baby podcast into toddler podcast. Yep. Um, who else do we want to thank? You know, I, I, should, I should probably thank my partner for accepting giving up Sunday nights for the entirety of 2018 and no longer spending them with me. <laughs> yes, thank you, Andy. I get to benefit from that. What? <laughs> Shout out to you. And, and you um, know, support and love and those kind of things. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, more thank yous to avid listeners. Trish, another friend, an early listener, someone who also made me think about queer space in your ears. I think one of the things that she's mentioned is how, like, you know, you can have the podcast playing in your head in any area of the city and you have you know, queer voices, queer space being created around you. You're thinking about it no matter where you are, mm. in what context. And at some point, I'm just like, that. we have to tackle, we will tackle in 2019 cities and space and stuff like that. Something that's very dear to my heart that's um, like, and my brain. That's but, like Nanette, that Hannah Gatsby special, where she says that point about um, how all her content is lesbian content, regardless of what she's saying. 
<laughs> yep, yep. So this is officially a lesbian voice talking to you right now. <laughs> All of my content is lesbian content. <laughs> Shout out to the people who have stopped listening because this is too gay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Who else? Jess, Atina, some of the people at the data science masters at UBC who I know have been listening. Thank you for that. Sam. Sam is a teacher. Quoted Sam before, or I've quoted Sam before. Thank you so much. And then River and Cynthia for just being awesome and making me think a lot. So it's, yeah. I mean, this podcast is like a work of community. Like nothing is done by one or two people. And I think it's yeah really good to just thank people who allow us to be or to have the conditions that allow us to do this so shout out to my friends oh yeah every my single friends and my, and my friends <laughs> yeah. no my friends Ruth not yours all <laughs> right kidding. no shout out to your friends too. yeah I was gonna say every single time a friend of mine says that they like the pod and that they've like shared it or recommended it it's just feels amazing inside so thank you. Yeah. Oh, you know, David Mark Hugglesby? The composer of our tunes. Yes. David, people love the thing. They sometimes, that's the one thing they quote to me. Dun, 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 dun. You know, like the, <laughs> the little uh, jingle. Thank you so much for letting us use that. Yeah, it's quite life-changing to have a theme tune. Yep. Yeah. I'm just like, this is my theme. The the Ruth and Marinella theme. Like <laughs> Some other quick, and I know, I mean, now it's this dragging, but you know, again, drag and drop. We wanted to thank Margaret Atwood for retweeting for some reason okay cool thanks um <laughs> internet freedom festival has also supported this podcast uh they invited us to a glitter meet at some point i was just there virtually and they've been like pushing the podcast too thank you so much for that oh i want to say thanks to alp ishik and hannah at netblocks who are a really amazing digital rights organization who are working around internet censorship in turkey and who invited me to speak on behalf of the podcast recently and have shared and promoted the pod as well and are just generally very inspiring activists so you should check out their work look for netblocks yeah oh yeah and melody patria access now but mm. also sharing and promoting the podcast and being inspiring and badass all around and just a shout out to uh ray who wrote to us and like was very awesome huge letter that was <laughs> awesome anyways yeah thank you all for hanging out with us letting us hang out in your ears yeah this this podcast has been a lot of fun we cannot wait to tackle some other things in the new year i hope you just get to have a blast and i know um holidays can be tough for a lot of people they can be awesome for a lot of people too just find your people physically virtually find your podcasts find your space yeah know that we're here and we're queer and we're podcasting for you and for us and making the things we wish i mean making the things we want to make which is awesome so yeah take care of this holiday season ruth have a fan what do you want to say i was gonna say have a fantastic 2019 to all of our listeners i think you covered it with uh this podcast is sponsored by gratitude yeah yeah that is that is that and um and thank you ruth thank you for just podcasting and giving so much of your time and energy and sharing this with me that's awesome oh thank you you know i was just saying about how this podcast was meaningful for giving me happiness and joy and fulfillment and it's given me lots of reading and i've really enjoyed the time to do that but also it's given us a much closer friendship and that's really yes. nice so thank you we're probably missing people um as in people to say thank you to but um thank you to every single person who has written things that we've quoted all the work all the things to a couple of editors that have edited some of the things that we have not been able to edit thank you for your work and and we should just wrap 
Yeah, we'll see you in the new year. See you, yeah, 2019. And make the best out of 2018. Bye. Bye. <laughs>